Hello, and welcome to the Ecological Sensibilities Project, a podcast where we explore the different ways people think and feel about the environment. Throughout this series, I'll be talking to a variety of people from different backgrounds, seeking to get a sense of the ways in which they interrelate with the natural world, as well as trying to pick up from them how that relationship might have changed over the course of their lives. Although throughout the series we'll be discussing with individuals how they think and feel about the environment, the project itself is rooted in a wider sociological approach that seeks to understand how these thoughts and feelings are themselves shaped and generated by the vastly different contexts within which human individuals live their lives. As we listen to each conversation, therefore, the challenge is not just to appreciate the expression of a unique point of view, but rather to tune in to the wider social and historical forces that make such a view possible. The world is changing, and so are people's thoughts and feelings about the environment. The Ecological Sensibilities Project seeks to dip in and take a litmus test of these kind of movements. So I live in a little village, Cooksbridge, which is a couple of miles outside Lewis um, in the southeast of England. We've been there for um, about four and a half years, and before that we were in Hove for about five years. In today's episode, I talked to Libby Turner about her journey from health through ill health and back to health again, and of how food, nutrition, connection and the environment are deeply woven into that story. Um, Moved around a bit for university and things like that, but grew up. Excuse me, grew up in Surrey. So yeah, okay. always kind of been in the southeast. In the southeast, okay. I begin by asking Libby what she invests most of her energy in at the moment. Children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got two children, um, a t- nearly two-year-old and a nine-year-old, who we home educate. So that takes um, a lot of energy. Okay. Um, and then also running my business, Field Food. Um, doing lots of cooking, catering, hosting events. Um, Yes, and I would say that takes up about 99% of my time, those two things, really. I asked Libby to explain a little bit more about Field Food. It's it's a food business um, founded on sort of nutritional principles after my nutrition training. Um, we provide catering and food events from our barn in Piddinghoe. The focus is on regenerative food, so it's food, grow, food grown in a regenerative way, which is good for the environment. And it's um, weaving together the threads of health, I guess, which is, to us, it's community, bringing people together, um, properly grown food and ecology. Okay, yes. Yeah, and you said that um, part of that is based in your nutrition training. Is that what you you studied? Did you study that at university? Um, not or? at university. I studied social work at university okay. a long time ago. Um, I did that for a few years, but it was incredibly stressful and really impacted me. I worked for an adoption agency, um, but sort of quite quickly within the first couple of years, realised that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and then for a while I had um, a job as a web designer and then about five years ago I decided to retrain as a nutritional therapist okay. and qualified two years ago this summer. Would you describe yourself as an environmentally conscious person do you think? Yes I definitely would. Okay. Um, I would and I think sort of to the extent where it has impacted my decision on how to educate my children on the type of business that I have set up, um, on all decisions that are big and small in my life. I think there's that um, connection to the environment has been a real sort of force for making those decisions. Okay, okay. Mm. And so we'll explore that a little bit more in a minute, like what that actually looks like mm. in terms of the kind of shape of that sort of... Uh, yeah, way of being in the world. Um, but I want to ask first, have you, um, do you think you've always been environmentally conscious in this kind of way, or is it something that's kind of emerged at a particular point in your life or through a process? I, if I 
look back, I can see the roots of it in my childhood. But I definitely moved away from that as a teenager and in my early 20s. And then it's been sort of a journey, a long journey, I guess, of reconnecting and um, finding a deeper connection to the environment. Um, And there's a clear sort of turning point for that as well. Um, and yeah, so it's sort of been maybe like the last nine years that I've been on that journey to reconnect. And so, uh, tell me a little bit more about your childhood. So, what are you thinking of specifically in terms of, yeah, kind of thoughts about the environment or? or so my yeah, my one big memory is my grandma's garden, my granny's garden. Okay. Um, and. And all of this is about food. Like my connection to the environment is about growing food. Okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, and I know I'm not alone with this. I'm one of those people that has like a mental map of my local area, which is based on where the wild apple trees are or where I can go and collect blackberries. Um, so it's all, it's all based around food. And yeah, same with my early memories of being in my granny's garden. So can you describe your gran- granny's garden to yeah, me? Yeah, it was a really was it? special place. Yeah. Um, the house was called The Orchard, um, and it had a big orchard that kind of swept up alongside the driveway, and she had a big pond there with fish in. There was always a heron sat watching the fish. And in the garden, in one corner, there was a greenhouse, and I think it's like... it's those memories that are really visceral you know it's like you can feel them with all of your senses like the hot greenhouse and walking in and smelling that the heat of hot tomato plants and do you know what I mean like tasting the warm tomatoes and or pulling up um like rhubarb stems with her and then the other side of the garden there's kind of a sectioned off area like with um like evergreen bushes and that was where she grew most of her vegetables and there was a big fruit cage and I think as a little child, it sort of felt like going into a jungle, walking in to the fruit cage and there yes. were raspberries and um, gooseberries and all sorts of berries and things growing in there. And it just, it felt really magical. And what kind of a person was she, your, your grandma? Um, she was a very creative person. She was a very strong character, very loving and caring. So there's definitely those memories of feeling loved and in that warm environment all tied in with being in the garden with her. Yes, yeah. And we'd sit on the patio and pod peas and broad beans and cook with them. We cook together. Um, And it's funny actually because I teach cooking lessons now and one of the first things that we do in the spring and summer is when I'm doing the introduction to the cooking day, we'll sit and pod peas and broad beans. And I just love that. Yeah. It takes me right back there, and I love sharing that with other people. Yeah. Do you tell that story about your, your grandma? Um, actually, no, I haven't. Okay. But I should do. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> do, really definitely. Should. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I always have a little smile to myself, but, yeah, I'll share that next time we do it. Yeah, I have a sim- similar kind of memory of, um, yeah, podding, podding peas with mm. my, my grandpa. And um, and I'm not sure if it's a memory or it's a photo. We have a photo yes. of, of us doing that <laughs> in Yorkshire. Um, and uh, and he passed away quite soon after that, so mm. it's a sort of yeah, it's one of those kind of moments, I mm. suppose. But so yeah, it's interesting how these things, these early kind of uh, yeah, cool memories sort of mm. shape shape us in, in certain ways, Definitely. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you say that um, that that sounds like a very kind of like you know. Um, I guess a childhood very sensory experience mm. of the yeah of the food and, and of the you know, the growing and you, of your grandma and stuff, um, and you said that that specifically you know your sort of awareness of the environment is focused around food. Um, were there other aspects of the of the garden that 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 stood out to you, your grandma's garden, or was it specifically around the tomatoes and the? Um, <clears throat> it was mainly that. I mean, it was a fun place to be. Other than that, it was, you know, there was the, she'd get the paddling pool or the hose yeah. and the sprinkler out would be running through that. Or when I was a bit older, she'd pay me to like, remove the bindweed from her okay. flower beds and things. So there's a lot of memories at her house were in the garden, but my favourite and strongest memories are 
with their food and growing yeah. vegetables. And was that just just for you? Do you have siblings who at all would they have similar kind of memories, or was um, that? I have a younger brother. Um, I haven't spoken to him about that, so I yeah. don't know if he he was never as interested in the cooking and that side of things, which was definitely something mm. that I shared with my grandma mm. and my aunt who lived with my grandma. Okay. Um, so I feel like that probably is more for me, but I can't. Oh yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, mm. you, so you say that um, so from those kind of very early memories, but then if you were saying sort of you know through kind of your growing up you kind of moved away mm. from that to a certain certain degree mm. and when did that start to kind of come come back in again do you think um <coughs> I definitely think I moved away from that through my teenage years just from being busy with school and becoming interested in other things and my grandma got older as well and it was sort of seeing she stopped doing so much of the gardening and growing the vegetables and things sort of moved up to being grown in pots around her front door rather than all around the garden okay. so that um that changed things when I was visiting her because she could only manage that yeah because yeah. of with her health and what she could manage and things um and then when I had my when I rented my first flat I was growing a few things in pots on my sort of patio area so it was definitely there then but that was more a few bits and pieces and I didn't mm. sort of really have a passion for it yeah but things really changed um my whole life changed in 2014 and there are two big things that happened that year which sort of started that journey off I became a mum for the first time okay. my son Sonny was born um which is a life-changing moment in itself. But then a couple of months later, I became really seriously unwell. Um, and I had an infection on my heart, mm. um, which ended up with needing two months in hospital and open heart surgery. Wow. Um, which, yes, I think health, health issues like that are definitely a time when you stop and reflect on life and things what you're doing in your life to keep you healthy and things you enjoy in life and um how to bring more of that into your life afterwards and how yeah. to feel strong and well again yes um, and yes that was the start of my sort of reconnection and i mean what a time to become unwell just after you've got a small baby as mm. well i mean that must have been really difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it yeah. was, um, yeah, the hardest year of my life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And how, so so you had the open heart surgery. Um, was that successful in kind of one go or did you, did you have to have further kind of surgery after then or? That was successful. So the whole treatment, I had a month in hospital before the surgery having IV antibiotics every four hours, day and night. Mm. Then, um, and lots of other little procedures sort of in that mean, in the meantime, because the infection traveled from a wisdom tooth infection, right. settled on my heart valve, my mitral valve, and damaged that. So I had to have the tooth out, I had to have different procedures to look at the heart in different ways, like a camera that went down my throat to look mm. down from the top of the heart at the valve. Um, and then after a month of being in hospital, it's the open heart surgery. And then another month after that with the four hourly antibiotics, just to make sure that there no other bacteria had got in there during mm. the surgery. But it was successful, and beforehand I was told um, they were going to try and repair the valve with like just a tiny, minute little thread mm. um, to fix the leaflet that was sort of flapping around and not closing um, and hold, you know, not letting the blood flow through in the one direction that it should. It was sort of flapping around and blood was flowing mm. both ways through the valve. Um, but if they couldn't do that, they were going to replace it with a mechanical valve, which would have meant I needed surgery again in 15 years. And, okay. um, but my surgeon did it successfully, he did it like, really, really beautifully, and my heart is 
um, yeah, it's sort of back to normal. My health is okay. really good now. Okay, okay, good. And um, so, but that kind of moment uh, or that, that process, that experience of being really unwell and becoming a mum at the same in the same year mm. so so that re you you sort of reconsidered kind of what you were putting your time and your energy into in that in the midst of that process or coming out of that process or I think it came from mainly thinking about my health mm. and what was going to get me feeling well and strong and feeling like me again um and it's funny because having so long in, I have to think about how I say this, because I, had, I received exceptional care from mm. the NHS and sort of I had world-class doctors and surgeons and nurses who really went above and beyond to look after me. But, and I had a separate room on the ward so that my son could come in and spend time with me there. Um, which was all incredible and I'm so grateful for that but the actual experience of being in the hospital room didn't feel like it was going to bring me back to health it fe mm. felt very sterile there wasn't much sunlight there wasn't really any fresh air um, you know you could open the window a little mm. crack but that was it and the food that was coming around didn't feel full of nourishment and easy to digest and like it was really going to build my strength back up it was mm. um sustenance I guess but not the most nourishing food that it could be and through my research in to everything that was going on with me and how to build my strength back up I had been looking a lot at nutrition so that was sort of the thread that started bringing me back to um the environment mm. and a couple of years after the surgery I decided to go and study nutrition and um, we learnt, so it was the first year was biomedicine, and then the second two years were nutritional therapy. And I learnt more than I ever thought was possible about the human body okay. and the intricate ways that it works, and so much science about the so much all the chemical reactions, the chemistry, and um, how our body breaks down food and uses it. But such a simple realization of what we eat actually becomes us yes so we you know we're eating protein it's break our body breaks it down into amino acids and then it's repackaged and rebuilt into our skin our hair our nails and um, the lining yeah. of all of our organs so we literally are what we're eating from the yeah. environment around us yeah but that was like a light bulb moment. It, yeah. Saying it now after all of this, it seems so obvious, but it was a real light bulb moment for me. And that led on to me really thinking deeply about how our food is grown and how that um, affects our health. Yes. Because I was learning about how soils are depleted and food doesn't have the same amount of nutrients, minerals and vitamins as it. Um, would have done even you know 50 years ago or something like that um, how disconnected we are from food and um, growing our own food and eating with the seasons and it was mm. it was really simple things that made me feel well again it was spending time in the sunshine it was having my bare feet on the ground eating seasonally food that was grown locally cooked simply um, and so, yeah, so it wasn't anything, I didn't need any fancy diets or special, yeah. um, like powders or any of those things that some, you know, you might think of when you're thinking about starting a diet or eating healthily. It was just very simple things that I found yes. around me yeah. that were free to me. And did that take, um, did it take a long time for you to feel, feel well again after the surgery? And after you came out of hospital, did it take? Mm, it did. A long time? It. Um, I don't know exactly how long. I'd. Yeah. It took. It did take me quite a long time to. I think a lot of it was building up my strength again, and um, also mentally. I think having two months in hospital, feeling mm. separated from your normal life, and kind of dependent on. Um, 
the doctors and nurses around you and and that low level I guess it was I was going to say low level fear about your health but it, at times that was a <laughs> low level I think it was a, yeah. that recovery after the operation when I knew that it had been successful but I still felt a fear around my health yes mm. yeah yeah kind of awareness of the vulnerability of yes, your exactly. health yeah. yeah yeah and so it sounds like as well that that um, you know the way that you've kind of described described the hospital room as a kind of sterile environment, mm. you know, place where you were separated off from the rest of life and kind of cut off, and you know you're you're getting this food which isn't really you know very nutritional, mm. you know, in terms of bringing you back to health, um, and it sounds like you're kind of the way that you're describing that is quite holistic in the sense that a kind of holistic awareness that your health is about you know both your bodily health about the ways in which the you know these things are <laughs> becoming part mm. of your body and the importance of what those things are that you put into your body but also holistic in the sense that you know you're kind of aware of how you're you're feeling as well and how you're relating to this environment you know of the hospital room and it's not making you feel very good or very well or return to health in a particular way yes, um, yeah. so is it is it fair to say that there's those two kind of aspects of kind of health when you think about health do you think about you know the more material side of it and the less material side of it if you see what I mean I do I think it to me it all feels as one yeah. but it includes those things definitely it's, yeah. um, it's not one or the other, It's the, those things are both interconnected. And for me, I found the solution to both things was, was the environment, the natural world around me. It was spending time outside, um, growing my own food and vegetables and things in terms of how that made me feel being outside but also yeah. it, I was growing the food that I was then eating which was also making me feel better yes mm. yeah so so what did that look like how did you move from you know coming out of the hospital this new awareness of um, you know nutrition and food and the importance of of you know like you said sunshine your feet on the ground you know eating seasonal kind of food and stuff um, did you did you have a garden, for instance, in which you were able to start growing food, or was that something that you had to search out for a, an allotment or, or, or something along those lines? Uh, at first, we were in Hove, and we had this tiny little muse house, and it had no garden. And um, our son, we had like a little concrete parking bay, <laughs> and our yeah. son used to call that our garden, okay. and I found that really, <laughs> really sad. Okay. Um, and. We yeah, we moved to Cooksbridge, where we are now, yeah. um, and a big part of that was to have someone with a garden, space to grow, um, and to be yeah, more in the countryside. And in Hove, we were on the list for an allotment, but we were like number 378 yeah. or something on the list. And now in Cooksbridge, we've finally got an allotment. Um, we got it at the end of last summer, so this is our first year growing there. Okay. Yes, yeah, um, and at the same time, like when did the when did your your business begin to emerge in that process as well? Was that something that came later? I mean, did you move to Cooksbridge and then, you know, start growing food and enjoying those aspects, and then the business kind of emerged out of that, or or was it? So we um, that's sort of a long journey as well. After the year after I was out of hospital, because that that same year. 2014 when my son was born and I wasn't well we had just moved to Hove and mm. we didn't know anyone in the area um, and then obviously being in hospital and sort of recovering and things we didn't really have that much of a chance to meet and connect with people um, and that was something I was really missing mm. um, and so the year after that we decided to start the supper club purely because it seemed like a good way of meeting people um, and I guess somewhere in there was the, you know, it was the link with food and cooking for people and bringing people together over that. Um, so we started selling tickets um, and people would come over to our house and share a meal with us and other strangers. And um, it just, yeah, it was a really fun 
time and some of our best friends now we met through running yeah. the supper club so that we've done for nine years um, then just a quick question <coughs> about that mm. did you have any templates to run a supper club because it's quite a kind of it's quite a brave thing <laughs> to do and you know that did, had you known other people who'd done that kind of thing no or? I think we were right at the sort of early stage of supper clubs becoming a trend I guess okay um, so I had heard of them maybe I'd seen one running in London or something like that I'd heard of the idea so it wasn't sort of like we invented the idea or anything yeah um, and just kind of threw ourselves into it without thinking it through okay. too much and it was very scary yeah <laughs> it was really scary and this was still in the it, I mean this was in the period after you'd mm. come out of hospital as well wasn't it so yes, yeah it was. okay um, yeah, within that year of coming out of hospital, okay, because um, I felt this real need mm. to just be connecting with people and forming friendships and feeling sort of rooted in our new home. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah, and so it was challenging, but it it worked. It was really yes, very challenging, and um, but it worked. It brought I I experienced the power of food bringing people together. Yeah. And just taking a pause out of your everyday life and meeting people that you may walk past in the street and never get the chance to say hello to. But yeah. um, sitting down and sharing a meal gave us that opportunity to get to know each other. Yes. And it was really powerful. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And um, so, but at the same time, even though you were kind of establishing community in Hove, you were feeling this need to also move outside, move to the countryside as well. Yes, um, and um, another reason for the move was that my son had just started a school which was um, over towards Uckfield, so we were doing like a 45 minute drive to get him there okay, every day. Okay. So that was part of the reason why we ended up in Cooksbridge. Yeah. Um, but yes, we definitely had that the desire for more space around us. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so the and the supper club you've continued to do, um, but it's also kind of morphed into or it has become or kind of fed into the idea of field food as well. Is that? Yeah, it's definitely uh, evolved. Yeah. Um, so we moved to Cooksbridge. I started my nutrition course, which was three years, mm. um, and just through what I was learning, and that was the time of the pandemic as well, my course um, all moved online, so a lot of the study was um, sort of sat in front of the computer learning, and feeling a bit disconnected again um, from community and mm. um, connecting with people. Um, and the idea for the subclub was still there, we loved the idea of bringing people together over food and and as I was learning the nutritional side of things, that brought a whole new element to it and took us on a discovery of, like I said, how food is grown and um, regenerative agriculture and the importance of that. And so all of those things sort of morphed together into field food and it's, it's sort of got the same heart as the supper club but with mm. lots of other values around it. Yeah, mm. so we're—I mean—we're sitting here in the barn for, for for field food as well, and it's quite a unique kind of place. And you—you you know, when I, we came before, you showed us around the kind of land here. Um, so, how did this place come come about specifically? So this um, was an amazing. Um, it wasn't a planned thing. We weren't looking for a venue. We were going to continue doing pop-ups and using different venues for our events. Um, but we sent an email out sort of launching Field Food, the whole idea of Field Food and what we were wanting to achieve and a bit about the values behind it. And immediately had an email back from this man saying that he owned a farm and there's lots of... Um, sort of regenerative, exciting things happening on the farm. And would we like to come and have a look around and maybe we could use it for a pop-up? Yeah. So we did that last year. We did um, two pop-ups here. And then he said he had this flint barn available that wasn't being used and would we like to 
take it on as a permanent venue. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously <laughs> we jumped at the chance because it's <laughs> yeah. just beautiful. And yeah, there's um, an edible agroforest that's been planted recently, which is going to produce lots of um, fruits and nuts over the next few years. Yeah. There's a herbal tea garden, beehives. There's a florist just outside the doors of the barn. Um, and everything's organic and grown in a way that supports um, the pollinators, soil health, um, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so has it been, I mean, you, you did the kind of nutrition course or whatever in terms of learning about um, yeah, nutritional kind of values of food and how that's how the body works and things like that. Is it fair to say that the last couple of years have you moved you more towards thinking about um, yeah, kind of organic, regenerative ways of farming and and the ways in which uh, a kind of broader sort of idea of ecology and soils and and those kind of things is that is that or, or was that already there kind of you know. No, that wasn't really there yeah. before. Um, it was, I was sort of excited by whatever looks good on the supermarket shelves, that kind yeah. of thing. Or, yeah. um, So that's been a real huge sort of part of my learning. And that definitely has come from my nutrition course, um, understanding the importance of organic food. And slowly that took me to find out more about regenerative farming and it all links back to soil health, I think, um, and how that really improves the nutritional value of our food. Yes. And also learning about sort of the link between soil health and our gut health and um, how the use of pesticides like glyphosate is sort of stripping the microbes from the soil, which is in turn having a really big impact on our gut health and that's such a foundational part of our health yes um something like 70 percent of our immune system is in our gut and we just there's such a widespread use of antibiotics and pesticides which are really sort of sterilizing everything yes yeah yeah so so making those connections quite explicitly between what's going on in here in your body and you know what's going on out there in terms of how you know stuff is grown and the qualities of the soils and what's put into that and how that then you know gets inside into the body and, totally yeah. to me that's just that's one thing our health is so intricately linked to the health of our environment i don't think you can separate the two and and studying nutrition and wanting to care more about my health and my family's mm. health means that I need to care about the environment mm. and I need to um, I need to spread the word about regenerative farming and the importance of connecting with how our food is grown and eating seasonally and living in tune with nature around us because it, mm. it is us it is our health yeah and, and do you have any um, I mean in a similar kind of question I guess to the supper club in terms of the kind of you know template or inspiration for for that um, do you have any uh, particular projects or people that you kind of look towards you know, in the UK or beyond who are doing the kinds of things that you're doing or they're a bit further down the road or and inspire you in particular ways? Are there any? Yes, I think um, it's been really, really exciting launching Field Food and we're looking for different producers um, to source our ingredients from. and that sort of opened up a whole new world of really inspiring people who are doing great things. Like we use wild farmed flour and they are really championing um, regenerative farming and um, moving away from the monocrop um, method of farming wheat. And so there's, um, my mind's gone blank, but they're growing lots of different crops all in together. They're yes. getting animals yeah. on the land to improve soil health not using any um, chemical fertilizers or pesticides. Um, and then again, with like our olive oil that we source, there's um, a really great company called Citizens of Soil and they're working with small scale farmers across the Mediterranean who are um, working in regenerative ways. And mm. they've got cover crops on the ground so it's not bare soil. And um, 
yeah, I think we've just come across so many exciting things. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. And um, and obviously your life is very very full, you know, with the different things you're giving your energy to. Um, and um, do you, do you find that you yourself have time or opportunity to have your hands in the soil at, at any points, or like in terms of the actual kind of yeah processes of, of of growing, or has that kind of been squeezed out a little bit by other? No, that's um, that's one of sort of the key principles that we started Field Food because I wanted a job where I could spend my time outside growing and yeah. um, not be stuck inside or behind a computer all the time. So that's a huge part of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, and we've got our garden and our allotment and it's um, I'm still learning <laughs> all of that. It's yeah, it's been challenging with like the long dry period that we've had this year and yeah. things like that. Um, so I'm trying to learn different methods of just growing on a small scale and how to improve the soil where I am and um, figure out ways of sort of retaining more moisture in the ground and that kind of thing. And um, But that's really important to mm. me, getting my hands in the soil, literally um, picking the ingredients that we use in our feasts and knowing where everything came from. And when we can't do that, we're working with small local farms who are working in regenerative ways as well. Yeah, yeah. And and through um, the supper clubs and the other kind of, you know, things that you put on, feasts, the summer feast you, you were mentioning before, um, that you're, you're still, you know, very much facilitating uh, people connecting through food and through a meal and being around a table together. Um, so, and you've mentioned a, a few times as we've been talking, the sort of, um, yeah, value of community in a sense. So is that is that really at the heart of, something at the heart of what you're, kind of doing that sense of connectedness or connectivity with other people as well. Definitely, I think that again is the other sort of core principle. That's the reason we started the supper clubs in the first place mm. because I needed that, or we needed that sense of community. And then we saw the value that that brought to other people and how much other people were looking for that, but didn't necessarily have places in the community to go and do that. Mm. Um, and I think we're doing that even more so now in terms of, like I said, sourcing our ingredients from small local businesses. We're supporting our community in that way. We're, it's a vote for sort of how, what we want in our, the environment around us. We make um, less use of pesticides and um, where we want to live, I guess. We want, we're, mm every it's that saying isn't it every pound that you spend is a vote for the world that you want and I feel like we're putting that into what we want to see in the area that we live yes creating a healthier more diverse environment for our children for us to enjoy um and obviously bringing people together around the feast and and cooking together and that's something we want to do much more of at the farm and we're hoping in the next few years that we can <clears throat> have an area where people can come and learn to grow, harvest the food, then cook together and learn how to compost and put that back into the soil. So kind yeah. of closing that whole cycle. So I think on lots of levels, it's about community. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I, I'm just struck um, looking back at some of the things that I've noted down here. So I've got a little, little section of notes on how you were describing your time in the hospital. And I'm just struck by how completely the antithesis of what you're describing <laughs> yeah. now is that kind of hospital room. And, you know, you very you put very well how grateful you are for the treatment that you receive. But I'm just wondering, uh, as a kind of imaginative project, I suppose, like um, if you were able to um, serve or facilitate the you that was in that hospital room how you would do, do you know what could you envision that differently um what what would you have wanted in terms of the the kinds of um things you've been describing um that might have restored you to health more more quickly or given you more you know hope <laughs> um i think what I needed is what I'm doing yeah. now. 
maybe I could look back and say it would have been great to get there quicker, but actually it's been um, a necessary journey and I've needed to learn everything that I've learnt yeah. and bring it all together now in how we're living our life and what I'm doing for work and sharing that with people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and probably my question is is uh, is one is a little bit difficult one in, in terms of how you would transform the health system to kind of oh, facilitate the health that. System. <laughs> I've thought. I sorry, I see what you're saying. I have yeah. thought about that a lot. Right. Um, outdoor spaces, I think, where people patients yeah. can go and sit in the sunshine and the fresh air. Um, windows that you can open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I've also thought about what I would do with um, the food that's served at the hospitals and yes. and also in our schools and um, everywhere, really. <laughs> yeah. Because I just don't see that much um, healthful, nourishing food yeah. around. And that's a worry to me for our children and the next generations and the separation that we have from where our food comes from and why it's so important. Yes. Um, but yeah, if you, I mean, imagine you could have growing spaces at hospitals where they are growing their own food and yes. I think there's been programs where they've tried doing that kind of thing and it's obviously difficult because it's such a huge change that's needed. Yes. Um, but I think getting patients up out of bed, moving outside, um, spaces where they can chat together spaces that are designed to bring people together and encourage mm. um, conversation and support. Yeah, yeah, mm. the, the kind of opposite of that, you described it as being a sterile mm. kind of environment where you felt separated and, mm. and cut off. So anything that's <laughs> bringing people out of that into something yes. that's you know, got more life and mm. connection about it, yeah, yeah. So. You described the moment of where you um, had that kind of insight, in a sense, about um, about the fact that that you know that this these things, this food, this stuff that's grown or, or whatever, whatever you know, as it goes into our body, that it becomes our body. That is, it's it's the material out of which your material body is is formed, um, and you were almost. Um, embarrassed by the sim simplicity of, of that mm. and yet what I'm struck in terms of you just talking about schools about hospitals and things is actually um, that it may be a very simple insight but it's a very profound insight mm. that is easily forgotten um, when we take a very utilitarian kind of approach to, f to food you know that it's just it's something that we just need to get you know, to, to get in order mm. to give us the energy to you know, to do the things we need to do. So whether that is a kind of, you know, logic that feeds into the ways that schools do things, you know, how can we do this? How can we do this in the most economically kind of, you know, easy way? Um, and and uh, rather than actually thinking about, you know, that core point that you're making about the fact that the materials you know, it forms the material of our body, so it's really important that we choose well, kind of what we eat. Um, yeah, but, uh, I don't know if that yeah. wasn't really a question. But no, <laughs> it's but just I think that's, um, <laughs> that would be, that's a really amazing point. And it's something I talk a lot about with my son, because I would love for him to realise that and to yeah. make choices about what he's eating th through that understanding. Yeah. But the mo I think actually the most important thing that I've seen with him is just getting him involved in growing and okay. picking his food. And um, and he gets so excited about running out in the garden and picking raspberries for breakfast. And, yes. Um, or at his farm club, um, they've got a plot where they're growing vegetables and things and he'll bring mm. home lettuces and he'll sit and just eat a lettuce leaf because he's been so involved in that process of growing it and mm. he's so attached and proud of it yes. that he enjoys it which I don't I don't know that he would do that if I just picked it up at the supermarket or yeah. something yeah mm. yeah so, so the 
he's able to make those connections because yeah. he sees it in, yeah, in practice, yeah. yeah. And how old is Sonny, sorry? He's nine. Nine, mm. okay, okay. So you can see he's kind of developing his own ecological sensibility in relation to food as well. Yes, and that's something that, um, that I'm so happy and excited about, actually, that that's, he's been on that journey alongside, and I think initially encouraged by me, but now he's teaching me and encouraging me as well because he does a forest school and a farm mm. club and he's learning a lot about foraging and when we're out on a walk he'll be picking hazel leaves for me to eat or okay. honeysuckle flowers for me to taste the honey nectar and um, things that I didn't know that you could eat and wow. he's just showing me all of that which is like a whole new exciting world as well. Yes yeah oh, wonderful mm. yeah and um, I suppose just to circle back round, maybe, you know, as we come to, to a close, but um, just to circle back round to your your granny again. Um, I'm presuming that your granny's not still no, with us. No, she's not with she us anymore. She passed away. Okay. And, um, yeah, so so do you, do you, you, you recognise kind of some of the qualities of that kind of garden experience with your granny? in your life today that kind of or is it different from that in some ways the kind of I guess what I'm asking is the kind of if we call it an ecological sensibility the ecological sensibility you had as a child in your mm. granny's garden which is obviously of a child you know it's not of an adult and it's not it hasn't you know you hadn't gone through all the experiences and mm. you've done you know that you've been through today so um I, I guess I'm trying to ask, are there, are there similarities between how you think and feel about the environment today and are there differences from that childhood kind of experience? Um, it's a difficult question, that's not... <laughs> I think the, the thing that comes to my mind first is that I enjoyed it then and I enjoy it now. Okay. It's just a simple joy of being outside, of growing food, um, the wonder of planting a seed and it turning into something delicious that I can eat and cook yes. with. Um, I think she gave me that, and that's a thread that brought me back to growing my own food. Um, I still, I feel like I still go out into the garden with that childlike wonder of yeah, yeah an enjoyment and excitement about seeing things growing. Yes. So I don't know that there's a difference. I think I'm excited to pass that on to my children and um, share that with people, which she did with me. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she, you know, was obviously of a different era as well, um, where you know she she was doing things which we would describe as environmentally conscious mm. today in terms of growing her own vegetables. But there was probably a different set of reasons and motives and cultural sort of you know around that um well I suppose that I, let's turn that into question do you do you think she she thought of herself as environmentally conscious or, or was it just that you know that's what you did <laughs> I think it was just that's what you did yeah, it, yeah. um it was a way to probably get delicious food fresh food um maybe there was um that element of frugality or saving money yeah, um, yeah. it was obviously something that she enjoyed doing with my grandpa as well they did it together when he was alive yes. um, I think it was that rather than yeah anything else yeah yeah I, I guess I, I find it interesting you know when in a sense kind of you know there's this sort of thing that we're returning to the ways that people did things before and yet it's also different because there's a different kind of set of you know reasons or there's maybe maybe there are similar reasons that you know maybe what your grandma got out of, of the garden is very similar to what you're getting out of your <coughs> excuse me your garden and you're growing today mm. maybe we realize that it's more important than, ev uh, than ever yeah. before but yeah. um yeah I don't know. I like the traditional values, and I think there's a lot of mm. value in that for what's needed today. I think we should return yeah. to sim the simplicity of of those kind of <laughs> traditional ways of doing things and yeah. caring for our environment and um, 
and building communities i think it is all very yes. traditional but um yeah yeah just and, important and and perhaps yeah the thing that that makes it different is that kind of awareness of how those choices on a small scale and, and what you do you know feed into a bigger picture of what's happening environmentally in terms of the larger issues of the climate and and things like that. that I think that's what gives me hope it's um I think we can make change by working together as a community yeah. and um especially for our local environments where we live I think we have a, a chance of really impacting that people's yes jobs and opportunities and the environment and um, farming and how that looks um, and I really believe in the ripple effect as well I mm. think mm. by inspiring people and showing them or helping them to find the joy in cooking again and mm -hmm. growing I think that can really change the individual's health and then the health of communities as well yeah mm. and and do you um with those, that focus on, you know, that all of those those positive things that um, that you're you're giving your energy to, um, do you um, do you think about the la larger climate crisis, and does that cause you, you know, how do you feel ab about that, or or do you, in a sense, um, you know, uh, well, yeah, do you have a sense of hope or a sense of anxiety about that those larger ways of thinking about the environment right now I feel I feel really hopeful I think mm. I've been through stages of feeling very anxious about and again it probably comes from a health point of view I've been worried mm. about what that's going to look like for my children and mm. their generation and their opportunities and um, from that point of view I have felt quite worried mm. uh, at times in the past, but I choose not really to read the news and to focus more on the things that I can do. Yes. And as I was saying, through Running Field Food and the people that we've met, I feel really positive because there is a lot of great stuff happening out there and really inspiring. And yeah. I think the regenerative food movement is just starting to take off and mm. people are really connecting with that idea. Mm. And I think we're going to see much more of it. Yeah. So you you are you're connected to that movement. You try not to let too much negativity or anxiety kind of come in. You know, from the wider sort of media. No, but I feel like that stops me from making change from just doing mm -hmm. things. Um, whereas if I focus on what I can do and hold the hope of building stronger communities and of that ripple effect then that keeps me feeling positive and motivated yes i think we should begin to wrap up is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that we've not um touched on? No, i don't think so okay brilliant brilliant well thank you libby thank that's you great very much. <laughs>